Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We are happy to have you. This is the Wednesday, October 17, 2018 edition of the Carolina Weather Group, show number 252. And tonight we welcome Miss Sandy Duncan. She is the managing editor for the Farmer's Almanac. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Farmer's Almanac. I know a lot of folks uh, buy uh, their copies every year. I have one right here, and it's a very popular pub uh, publication. And tonight we're going to talk about the history of the Farmer's Almanac, just how they get those weather predictions and other fun and interesting stuff uh, that they produce. So uh, this is a live broadcast tonight. So uh, for those who are watching on our Facebook Live and our uh, Periscope and our YouTube page, uh, if you want to interact with us throughout the show by sending us questions, please feel free to do that. We'll be monitoring those uh, different streams and uh, we'll uh, jot down the questions and uh, and when they, the time fits, we'll, we'll throw those questions in. Or if you're listening on our podcast uh, later on, or if you're watching the YouTube rebroadcast, we will let Miss Sandy uh, send out her information towards the end of the show or the Farmer's Almanac information on how you can get your questions uh, sent to, to the folks there. So again, uh, this is show number 252. We're talking about the Farmer's Almanac tonight. And uh, we were just joking before the show started, this is actually our first seems like normal show that we've had uh, over the last uh, month or, or maybe even six weeks uh, with the Hurricane uh, Florence and then Hurricane Michael. So uh, we are going to cover maybe a little bit of that. So we're going to do some tweets of the week later on in the show, uh, and we can maybe cover some uh, recovery from, from Hurricane Michael. But uh, before we do that, let's bring in some of our panelists. I will let you know that Ricky Matthews is working tonight for his chief meteorologist at WCYB, so he will not be here, and James Briarton's on baby duty, so he may be uh, slipping in a little bit late, but uh, let's bring in Mr. Uh, Chris Jackson, who was in the Columbia, South Carolina area. Uh, Chris, I know it was, it was a busy week for you last week. It's kind of calmed down a little bit this week, huh? Yeah, absolutely, Scotty, and uh, you know, hey to everybody. I know I missed the show last week. I was actually out in the storm, you know, trying to chase uh, the tornado threat as, as Michael moved up into South Carolina. Uh, chased for about uh, 14 hours last Wednesday, uh, ended up chasing three storms, all tornado warned. I think two of them did produce tornadoes. Uh, you know, got within two miles of one, and uh, the forward speed uh, was just absolutely incredible. Uh, driving 70 miles an hour, the storm uh, over a period of 15 minutes or so gained on me by two two miles, even with me driving 70 miles an hour. So yeah, I mean, uh, thankfully we missed a bullet for the most part in South, you know, in South Carolina. You know, some like little isolated problems, especially in the Irmo area, uh, Kinley Creek. Uh, Whitehall neighborhood, uh, they experienced a lot of flooding in 2015. So, you know, they, they had a, a, a few issues uh, Thursday morning as Michael, you know, really, I guess, made its pass over the middle of South Carolina. But uh, yeah, going forward, weather's been great. Uh, the last couple of days have been awesome. Uh, going into this weekend, it's, it's going to stay, you know, pretty nice. Uh, I think Friday night into Saturday, probably going to be looking at a, a decent chance of rain showers ahead of the coldest air of the year. Uh, coldest air of the year with Arctic cold front that's going to approach on Sunday. And uh, I think Sunday night to Monday, probably going to have some lows in the mid thirties to low forties. And then, you know, looking uh, you know, out into the future further than that, uh, by Tuesday, it's still going to remain below normal, but I think temperatures going to moderate a little bit by Wednesday, get back into some normal conditions. But, uh, you know, I, I know it's nice to dry out here and have a few really nice days where there's uh, really low humidity, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Glad to have a little feeling of normalcy back, but uh, yeah. Kick it back to you, Scotty. 
Thank you for that, Chris. It is. It's. It feels good to be back to normal and get kind of more on a, a normal routine. Well, let's bring in uh, Mr. Jared Smith, who is down in the Charleston area. Jared, uh, you guys uh, enjoying some good weather, but it's still pretty hot down there. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, we we've been in. You know, we we had a nice little tease this weekend. It, uh, summer took a weekend off. It was gorgeous. Um, but you know, it, 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 it finds its way. It's a transitional season and things tend to heat back up again. And we, uh, and, uh, and we've had a couple more 90 degree days. And so that takes us to six 90 degree days, uh, in, at the airport this month today, we got to 90. Um, that's never happened before last. The most we've ever had is five, uh, back in 1986. And so we blew past that today, but that's it. There's a cold front making its way South. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be rather different tomorrow. The forecast high from the weather service is 71. We bottomed out at 76 this morning. So it's going to feel a lot different in the morning to put it mildly. It's going to feel a lot different tomorrow. I think uh, most people are ready for that. There's a few people who want a eternal summer and it's just like, okay, well, you know, just to, you know, keep burning some of those fuels and maybe we'll have that. But in the, in the short term, uh, <laughs> we are going to still be a little bit on that roller coaster. We're going to peak back up into the upper seventies, eighties uh, to start the weekend and then back into the sixties. So we're issuing a sweater weather watch <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> the Charleston area for uh, the end of the weekend. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, the, the, they're out. They're ready. They're ready to go, Scotty. Well, we too are looking for that, that cold weather to move back in here into uh, North Carolina. I'll talk about the Piedmont and the foothills and mountains for a little bit. Uh, we're expecting we've had a cold front move through today. Tomorrow we're going to see temperatures in the low 60s. Uh, like Chris was talking about, we're going to see another cold front move through over the weekend. Uh, that could give us some rain showers on Saturday. And then the coldest air of the season moves in on Sunday where we could see highs even in the Piedmont staying in the upper 50s. And then my, uh, Sunday night into Monday, uh, potentially the first frost or freeze uh, throughout uh, North Carolina. And I also forgot to mention Saturday night with that northwest flow, uh, some of the higher elevations uh, in uh, the mountain counties of Avery and Mitchell and Watauga and places like that could see the uh, very first snowflakes fall for the season. So it is uh, getting that time of the year where uh, we're transitioning from the warm season to the cold season. And that also means that our tropics is kind of transitioning. And with that, I'll bring in uh, Shay Gibson with our tropical update. So Shay, I know it's been pretty busy for you, but it looks like we can finally take a little bit of a breath here as things have calmed down a little bit. Yeah, that's right, Scotty. It looks like there's a lot of upper shear all around in uh, the tropical belts. The um, monsoonal belt from in the main development region off of Africa across the Atlantic is pretty quiet. The Gulf is quiet. All the areas are pretty quiet. The Western Caribbean as well. So uh, it looks pretty good. Um, you know, it's really nice to be able to share this screen right here, especially after everything we've gone through with Florence and Michael. And now we're in a, a transitional period. Now, I do want to say that this, this time of the month, we still are in sort of an upward spike. Uh, we're on the downward phase, but we still have to watch every tropical wave that's going on out there. And the season does not end until November the 30th, officially. Uh, so we, we still watch, uh, but for right now, everything looks really good. Uh, if we look elsewhere in the Eastern North Pacific, uh, you know, there's a little bit of activity. So the Baja Peninsula and these areas of Southern California, Nevada just got, um, Sergio, Sergio, I think, uh, made some pretty heavy rainfalls on Southwest United States, but we're watching these areas down here along the Eastern North Pacific uh, for any sort of development. 
as far as uh, El Nino and La Nina, we start looking at the, the transitional phase of ENSO or the uh, Eastern North Oscillation, Pacific Oscillation. Uh, and so we define these as El Nino and La Nina, and those can have effects here in the Southeast region as we go into the wintertime. And basically these values that you see right here, this is the main region, El Nino region, and you see the values are higher than normal. Once we get above 0.5 for a certain amount of period of time, they go ahead and designate El Nino as an occurring um, occurring event. And so the synopsis is we are on El Nino watch right now. It's expected to form the next couple of months and continue through the Northern Hemisphere through the winter time with a 70 to 75% chance. What does that mean for us in the Southeast? Well, this is from uh, National Weather Service Tallahassee. This is a nice little picture that sort of sums it up. We tend to have drier um, with temperatures often above average for parts of the Northeast, even the Appalachian Mountains uh, down here along Florida increased chances for severe weather. Uh, so we have Basically with El Nino, we get the subtropical jet that becomes a little bit more active just across the Northern Gulf and up across portions of the Carolinas here. So we may see higher than normal precipitation. This doesn't mean that we're going to see more snow events. It means we could see snow events like in a year, but the moisture trade may be enough to allow for more of those events to come close to occurring or to actually occur. Uh, it's really too early to say right now, but just know that El Nino is a, is a high probability right now to occur. And um, with that, I think that's it for the tropics and just kind of looking forward as we get to the colder season of what to expect. And uh, I'll pass it back to you, Scotty. All right. Thank you for that report, Shay. We uh, certainly uh, uh, appreciate that. I was looking at our Facebook live comments uh, coming in, uh, but I do want to bring in Sandy Duncan. She is uh, joining us from the Farmer's Almond, um, Farmer's Almanac. Uh, Sandy, uh, thank you so much for joining us. You're uh, up in north uh, Northwest New Jersey. So How's the weather up there? Is it a little chilly? It is finally, just as the Farmer's Almanac predicted. It's a little chilly sweater weather for sure. Um, in fact, we had to turn the heat on the other day, but it's time. It's really time. Oh, no. When the heat comes on, you know, it's getting that time of the year. Well, uh, we certainly want to uh, say thank you for uh, joining us tonight. I know that you are probably busy uh, out as, as uh, the Farmer's Almanac is, is out in publication. Uh, before we kind of get into what you guys ha have produced for this year, uh, give us a little history of the Farmer's Almanac. How, how did it get started? What, what is the history behind this, uh, this great book that's been published for a long time? Sure. Well, our Farmer's Almanac actually started back in 1818 by a gentleman by the name of David Young. He was a poet, an astronomer, and a teacher. Um, he was in New Jersey, actually, and he decided to put out a Farmer's Almanac. But I want to back up a little bit before that. Farmer's Almanacs were actually in existence for, um, since the probably the early 1600s. In fact, they had some in Europe. And when they came over, the colonists came over, they started a need for some type of publication. Mostly you would print Bibles and you would pr print an almanac. So there was actually hundreds of Farmer's Almanacs. Many of them were very local. Many were very regional. So pretty much it gave not only the weather and the times of the sunrise and sunset, which was really important for the people back then because they didn't have any other way to keep track of things. Um, but pretty much they were in existence. So there's really no um, farmer's almanacs became kind of a type of publication. So our farmer's almanac, and there's a few other ones out there that have similar names, but ours dates back to the 1800s. And it's really been a guide not only for farmers, but for people who want to live, um, you know, grow their own food or watch plan the weather. Um, but ours has been around for 200 and this is our 202nd edition. That's really cool information. Um, obviously, uh, the Farmer's Almanac is, is something that, that farmers use to help 
um, know when they need to plant things uh, and foods and stuff like that. Do you uh, maybe on a yearly basis, do you guys consult with maybe a group of farmers or something and, and ask, you know, uh, where can we help you out more? Or is, is this just something that, uh, that you guys kind of have a routine and just keep doing every year? Well, you know, it's interesting because, of course, we have the name farmers in our title. And then a lot of people think, well, I don't have a farm. I don't need the almanac. But really, you know, if you look back and it's really kind of cool, if you ever come to Lewiston, Maine, make sure you guys stop by. We have a museum of all our old editions of the Farmer's Almanac. And then we also have some copies of almanacs that were called Farmer's Almanacs. Um, and some of them are like this big. They're like tiny. I don't know how they read them. Um, and some of them are very medicine oriented. Some of them are very like, you know, like the snake oils of the time and day. Um, but while we were called Farmer's Almanacs and we were really named of the people of the time, you know, hardworking, honest people, farming has come a long way in 200 years as the Farmer's Almanac. So even though we call it Farmer's Almanac, we're not just for farmers. You know, we're again, there's a growing trend, you know, you, what you guys are talking about, you know, to be kind to the earth, to be a little less, uh, leave a little less of a footprint. So we've, we've kind of go with the times. So while we still offer planting and guiding, um, gardening information, I don't think we're so much more far for farmers as we are for the average person. There's a, there, you know, there's a lot of people that have a little porch and they want to grow something on the porch. Or there's a growing trend of people that have a garden, a big, pretty big garden, but they want to go more natural because they don't, they're kind of afraid of all the things in the, um, that get put in food these days. So they want to go more natural kind of lifestyle. And that's kind of our niche now. I think, you know, I, I'm, we do have a big rural following, but we also have a lot of people in this city that follow us as well. Uh, Miss Rachel Coleman joining us tonight. She says her 98-year-old grandmother swears by the Farmer's Almanac. So uh, I've heard a lot of people say the same thing. But like you were talking about, you, you don't always, uh, I mean, you look at the, the farm and stuff, but you also have other things of interest. Like you said, astronomy and, and things like that, maybe um, homemade uh, remedies and stuff. So kind of talk, before we get into the weather discussion, kind of talk to us a little bit about, um, for maybe those folks younger generation who has maybe not looked at a farmer's almanac. What all do you guys do in the book? Sure. And I like to point out too, that like you said, and it's really nice to hear that your grandmother used to read the almanac. But you know, a lot of times your grandmother was your age when you started, when she started reading the um, almanac. So we're really for everybody, you know, um, there's a, there, like you mentioned, we not only have um, best days to go fishing, we have our, our gardening calendar, we have our weather predictions, but we have life hacks for less stress. You know, in this year's Farmer's Almanac, one of my favorite tips, um, and it's been a popular one when I share it, is if you ever, I hate doing it to be honest with you, but if you ever want to wash windows, you know how you wash windows and then you see streaks and there's a pain in the butt to figure out where it goes? Well, you should actually, uh, when you're washing the window on the inside, go horizontal. And if you're going on the outside, go up and down. So if you see the streak, you'll know which side the streak is on and you can fix it. So we have all kinds of little tips like that. Um, we also have a recipe contest every year. And this year, the upcoming recipe contest is for recipes for quinoa. Um, we also have a lot of trivia and did you knows. And we have some gardening information. Like this year, we have um, tips and ideas about how to garden if you don't have a lot of property, how you can perhaps do it on your balcony or you could do it on your deck or just um, somewhere outside and not have to have a whole acre of land or something to that effect. This year, we also have a fun story about, you know, what did people use before they had toilet paper? It's quite an interesting article. Um, it's quite enjoyable. It's a lot of trivia. Um, so we, we have a little bit of everything. And before we got um, went on live, we also talk about one of the most popular features uh, of the Almanac for years, hundreds of years, um, has been our car best days calendar. 
And what it is, it's actually based on where the moon is in the sky, because a lot of people believe, including a lot of farmers and gardeners, um, that the moon has a pull on the soil. Um, so it really depends on where the moon is, whether you plant above ground crops or below ground crops. But there's also these best days calendars, which talk about best days to cut your hair, best days to mow the grass, best days to wean your child of a um, bottle, as well as um, the best days to quit smoking. So that's always been a popular feature. We don't guarantee those days, but people that follow them say they get the best results possible. Well, Sandy, that, that's an interesting, I was gonna ask you about that uh, with, with the moon phasing. Uh, with lunar phasing and nightshade vegetables, what, do, what does the Farmer's Almanac say about, about those, like squashes and, and uh, some of those nighttime ones? You know, I don't know the actual formula that we use because I don't actually put the formula together. But if you look at the Farmer's Almanac, we have this planting and gardening calendar um, that talks about things, when to plant things above ground, below ground. And then we also have a month by month uh, gardening calendar at the end. Of course, it's where climate permits. Um, that talks about different things to do on the, um, on the, it's more towards the farm because some of it's like, um, you know, dig root crops, uh, you know, transplant or, or, or kill weeds, that kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, it, it, there's really a strong belief that depending on what phase the moon is in will kind of affect um, how well your garden is. And in fact, we're talking about the best days. I had a guy call me years ago and he apologized proficiently about how his father and him were go digging um, post holes. And his father said, you have to follow the farmer's almanac, the best day to dig post holes. Because I guess according to the formula, um, there's a best day when you dig it. And if you want the soil to fill in or you don't want the soil to fit in, fill in. So they followed the almanac at that time, but his father had passed away and he needed to know. And he apologized. He's like, I'm a pharmacist. I don't really believe in this stuff. But when we tried it, it really did work. So it's really kind of interesting and people do follow it for a variety of things, including even best days to um, buy a home or get married. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm looking through one that you sent You sent us. Thank you for this, by the way, because uh, potty training for children. There's just all kinds of really neat little tidbits in here. So thank you for uh, sending these to us so, so we can look through them. Sure. Yeah, it, it is. Like it has a little bit of everything. And we, um, we also have puzzles and brain teasers and, this year we have trivia about 50, each of the 50 states. They were kind of interesting. And, they, and it's kind of fun for me, too, as I edit. I kind of learn something every day, which is, is kind of enjoyable as a job. It's funny. Oh. Nope. Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, it's, it's, you were talking about 50 state facts that you may have never heard of. That I thought that was um, interesting for our, our South Carolina folks. Uh, I was talking about archaeologists unearthed artifacts in Allendale County along the Savannah River, suggesting humans inhabited the area for more than uh, 20,000 years ago, long before the Ice Age. So these are just very fascinating facts that uh, that are in your book. For North Carolina, it's a white lake. It's called the nation's safest beach for its clear water, clear water sandy bottom, and lack of dangerous currents. So uh, just a lot of uh, interesting facts uh, for the uh, the Farmer's Almanac. But one thing that you guys are synonymous for is giving these yearly outlooks with the weather. And so before we maybe kind of dive into what we can expect maybe for our region here in the southeast, uh, one question that that I had is, uh, and, and you have a nice little write-up about it here in the Farmer's Almanac. If you have this year's edition, it's on page 140. Uh, it kind of talks about how you guys predict the weather. So, uh, Sandy, I was hoping that maybe you can kind of dive into that a little bit and kind of talk to us about how you go about the process of getting these uh, yearly forecasts. 
Sure. Like I said, the Our Farmers Almanac started back in 1818, and our founding editor, David Young, he actually came up with the formula that takes things like sunspot activity, tidal action, the moon, position of the planets, and a variety of other factors into consideration. And he kind of came up with these rules. So when these things happen, uh, he associated certain weather patterns towards it. Now, fast forward 200 years, we fine tuned the formula a little bit, but we still really rely on this formula uh, that started over 200 years ago. Um, the formula itself is only known by one person. He is a real person. He goes by the name of Caleb Weatherby. That's a pseudonym, uh, but he is the real person. And he's been doing the weather now for us probably about 30, 35 years. Uh, so he uses this formula. He changes it a little bit, but it's a very astronomical and mathematical formula. And, you know, we do our best to kind of give people uh, an idea of what might happen six months to 12 months. Uh, actually, each edition of the Almanac has 16 months of weather in it. Um, so it's really become valuable for people who want to prepare for the upcoming seasons um, and see what we predict. And so um, with that, you guys, obviously, in this day and time, there's all kinds of um, rigmarole on social media and stuff like that. So, but you guys have, have really, you know, even the doubters, you know, there's doubters out there, but um, you guys, like you said, your, your forecast overall is, is fairly good. Do you have like a percentage rate of, of you guys, how, how you verify the forecast? Is there a process that you do that? Well, because we do the whole country and then we also have a Canadian Farmers Almanac, so we also offer weather predictions for um, the provinces up in Canada. We can't really keep track. I mean, we do in every year's Almanac, we kind of give an overview of how we did last winter because um, that's the big season, obviously. Um, and then we kind of kind of give a, um, a summary of what we're predicting for the four seasons ahead. And then we break the country into seven zones and we give the forecast for the upcoming year. Um, on our website, we also have um, at farmersalmanac.com, we have an on the money kind of uh, growing list of when we predicted some storms, possibly some hurricanes or big snowstorms. In fact, I always like to point out one of the biggest wins in the past several years is when, and, and I'm sorry because I can never remember which year, but there was a year that the Super Bowl was held in New Jersey in February. And when the Almanac came out, we had said that there might be a snowstorm. And how the Almanac predicts the weather is three days at a time. So it was like um, February 2nd to, the, uh, I forget, it was 5th to the 7th, 4th to the 7th. Um, and we said that there could be a snowstorm that could affect the Super Bowl that was being held in New Jersey for the first time in a long time. So the day of the Super Bowl was in between. It was that second day of our three-day weather forecast. And it wasn't too bad. It was actually kind of mild for the storm, the, the, the Super Bowl itself. But that night, a couple hours after the Super Bowl, a snowstorm happened. And it was very hard for a lot of tourists and a lot of players to get back home. Yeah, I know last year for the southeast along the coastline here, we had a pretty major snowstorm here. And uh the Farmer's Almanac got that right. That was a big buzz. And uh, it got a lot of people going, wow. I mean, I remember seeing all over social media. People were like, man, they, they nailed it. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, I think, let's see, Super Bowl. I was trying to look that up to find out what game that was. That was played Super Bowl. 2014. Denver Broncos. Yeah, Denver Broncos and Seattle Seahawks. Were right. yeah. 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 So uh, for those watching your sports fans. Uh, I do have a viewer question. Now, this is kind of a two-part question because they're asking about the Farmer's Almanac and the old Farmer's Almanac. So um, the question here from Andy Gary, he asked, why is there such a discrepancy in the winter weather predictions between the Farmer's Almanac and the old Farmer's Almanac this year? And, and so basically 
I want to sort of you to explain to the viewers what, what these two products are and how they may differ and then maybe what, why the weather predictions differ there too. Sure. Well, as I mentioned, um, since Farmer's Almanacs really date back um, more than 200 years, as I mentioned, there was a 1600 Farmer's Almanac in um, Back Bay, Massachusetts. Um, the courts pretty much have deemed that nobody can own the rights to the words Farmer's Almanacs because it kind of represents a type of publication. And I kind of associate it with kind of like how many newspapers are called the something news or the something times it's kind of a similar kind of way so the old farmer's almanac is out of um uh new hampshire our farmer's almanac is out of maine they've been around since 1792 we've been around since 1818 so we're pr pretty much two of the oldest and most consecutively published um almanacs out there um we're both farmers almanacs in that we predict the long-range weather forecast we have gardening information and fishing information but we do also differ on a variety of other editorial. We do a little bit more of um, the trivia and the natural remedies and, and the earth friendly kind of tips. And um, we also, um, we not only have a retail version of the Farmer's Almanac, but we also have a promotional version of the Almanac, which businesses buy. It's a smaller version, there's no ads inside and they kind of give it away as thanks for coming in to our store and they can customize it on the front cover. And that's really been our niche more than even the retail side. Um, so that's kind of the difference that way. And ours is the orange cover, orange green. No, you know, theirs is yellow. Um, why there's such a big discrepancy? That's a good question. Obviously, we don't use a similar fork. We don't use a similar um, formula. Our formula is proprietary. We use mathematical and astronomical information. Um, I can't speak to what they do and they use. Sometimes when we come out, it's very similar. But this year, we are very different as far as what we're predicting for the upcoming winter. Cool. So what are you saying? What is the Farmer's Almanac saying for the Southeast this year? Folks are asking, what's the winter outlook? Well, overall, we're saying that it's going to be teeth chattering winter ahead. Um, and for the Southeast, we're pretty much saying um, not quite as cold as some other areas, but we are saying a very chilly and wet uh, winter on top, which means a lot of wintry mix. Uh, and in fact, when you look ahead at our forecast, um, very cold conditions, February 12th to the 16th, <coughs> excuse me. So if you want to get away, that's when you want, might want to uh, book a trip out of the, out of the, uh, Southeast. Um, but we're saying a very wet and very chilly winter on tap. Interesting. Yeah. For us along the coast, anything that keeps the gnats and the mosquitoes and anything that walks, bites or flies that stings or bites is good with us. Back exactly. to you, Scotty. Thank you, Shay. Um, you know, Sandy, you were talking about earlier, um, you guys divide um, the weather predictions into seven different categories to kind of associate with the United States. Um, how did you go about, or could you describe how you went about classifying these states together as to, you know, which area is section one or section five or whatever, uh, section seven? We did really rely on Caleb Weatherby, our weather forecaster, to do this. Um, and he, you know, if we did, first of all, if we did, if we did um, forecasts for each state, we, uh, the book would be really too big. Um, and because we go out on a limb and we really get this long range weather outlook, we had to break the country into zones. So zone one is like from Maine down to almost, we just recently, we recently changed some of it. Excuse me. <coughs> um, so we really, we really had Caleb look at it because he is the weather expert on our team. Um, so the Southeast, I'm just going to remind myself because we changed it <coughs> recently. Um, 
is West Virginia, Virginia, the Carolinas, Georgia, goes over to Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, and Florida. Obviously, your local conditions could come into play. And we always like to say that we don't take over your local meteorologist, but we do kind of give people an idea of what's to come in your neck of the woods. Excuse me. <coughs> Coughing now. Yeah, totally yeah, understand. I totally feel you there. I've been coughing myself. <laughs> there's a, um, if you want us to carry on the show for just a minute, there's a mute button up there at the top. If you want to hit that for a minute, that's fine. We can uh, uh, elaborate a little bit more on the Farmer's Almanac here. But uh, yeah, lots of great, great information. And um, I'll tell you, there's more than just weather predictions in the Farmer's Almanac. We want folks out there to know that uh, it's, they're not all about the weather predictions. There's, there's much more to offer. And uh, as, as Sandy has explained, there's lots of components to it, and they, they have their own formulas for things, and their own editing staff, their own writers, and own materials. So really, really good. It's good to have both products out there, but the Farmers Almanac seems to be, um, it, it seems to have a little bit more depth to it. Um, like you said, some of the more earth, earth uh, type uh, content with it. And so yeah, you my, oh. go ahead, Sandy. Go ahead. One of my favorite stories this year too is about um, cutting back on plastic. You know, everybody's on the straw. Um, how we should get rid of straws. We all talk about styrofoam and we talk about those coffee pods. So we have a great story in this year's almanac about five plastic items to stop using. Uh, Sandy, you were talking about your your staff and Shay was there yeah. for a minute too. Um, obviously, this is a national publication. Um, talk to us a little bit about the inner workings. How, how many staff? Do you guys uh, have there? What different um, uh, uh, different uh, groups or maybe different uh, parts of, of this uh, do you guys uh, do you guys have there at the uh, Farmers Almanac? Sure. Well, um, we have we have about five people on staff full time. We depend on a lot of um, freelance writers for a lot of our stories. You know, as everything, the Almanac is now on social media. We're on the web. web we're on the web. So we have a lot of work not only in the print edition, but also just keeping up with content and keeping up with social media. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So a lot of people are in work out of Lewiston, Maine, um, but we have a great team of um, writers, freelance writers, and we have a great team that work on digital media, social media, and we have a graphic designer. Um, we have proofreaders. It, it takes a big team to get this all together. Wow. I, I would have, I would have thought more than five folks, you know, would have been full time. That's, uh, for all that you guys do, that's a, that's amazing to um, to think about. Uh, just looking through uh, your October predictions here, uh, you know, uh, right now October sixteenth through the nineteenth, you're talking about a pleasant spell of early fall weather. Uh, that is definitely what we're having the twenty through the twenty third. Uh, talking about some a quick uh, hitting rain uh, maker moving through the area, which is what we expect this weekend. So, uh, your forecast there really. Um, really jives with the current uh, conditions here. Uh, you, you said wintertime is a big is a big um, draw to the, the farmer's almanac. Uh, but your summertime as well, do you guys get a lot of buzz about summer uh, as well or is winter kind of the big the big draw? Winter seems to be the bigger draw, but we do of course, you know, we give the forecast for the entire year. <clears throat> oh my gosh. Um, so the summer is another one that gets a lot of publicity and Good news, bad news for you guys. We are saying the 2019 Farmer's Almanac is saying, we're calling it sweltering um, with a lot of thunderstorms for next summer for your area. 
that doesn't hurt my feelings at all because I love I love the heat and humidity. Uh, the panelists will tell you that. Um, I guess uh, we're almost eight fifty here, so um, I want to keep you just a couple more minutes. Uh, but how long does it take you guys to? I know you you've got two thousand nineteen in publication, and we we briefly talked about this before the show started. Uh, you guys are already starting on the twenty twenty version, correct? Exactly. That's why I can never remember what year we're in. So don't ask me what year. <laughs> Uh, so how long does it take? How long does it take to get all the material together and to get everything ready to go for, for the next ep, uh, next edition? Sure. Well, we actually have the 2020 um, predictions in-house. Um, I don't have them. I haven't looked at them, and I can't squeal, but they're in-house already. So we'll start putting it together now, but it goes to press in June, and it comes out next August. Um, so it's a long process, but like I said, on our website, farmersalmanac.com, we always have new content. We have new content on our Facebook page, on our Twitter page. So it really takes a lot to keep it going, but it takes probably a good six to seven months to actually put the almanac together. Wow. I know we, we kind of talked about this earlier, but um, we, we have a few more guests joining us uh, throughout the show. Uh, Melissa Griffin, a, a good friend of ours, uh, she was wanting to know how uh, you guys, again, determine the different regions that you forecast for. Um, yeah, like I said, Caleb really did it for us, and we kind of just grouped them together based on what we see as far as um, weather zones. I don't, off the top of my head, I don't remember how he actually did it, but we see what mo makes the most sense. Sometimes if you're on an area that you're kind of close to another region, we say, feel free to look at that region. You know, we have all the regions in one almanac, so you should kind of take it. Um, and like I said, we do our best. We don't guarantee our weather, but I don't know anybody who can guarantee their weather. Um, and, and people sometimes give us a little more slack because we're going out on a limb and giving predictions for up to 12 to 16 months and ahead. Um, <clears throat> so we, we, the zones are kind of based on um, what we thought were best for our forecasting. That sounds good. Well, I know we're about 8.50 here. Chris, do you have a, I seen you unmute yourself. I didn't know if you had a question or not. Yeah, I got, I got one quick question. Just uh, just kind of curious, demographics-wise, where, where do you guys, I guess, sell sell the most copies of the Farmer's Almanac, you know, based off, I guess, you know, current current today's market versus, like, the past? I mean, any kind of trends you guys see where, where you know, I guess you, you just sell more sell more copies? Um, the Northeast is one of our big regions. The Southeast is actually a, a top seller, as well as the Great Lakes Midwest area. And that's where the weather is, if you think about it. So um, we do sell nationally, um, but those would be our top three um, areas. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, just like I said, kind of curious because uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, the older generation you talk to, especially in Southeast South Carolina, uh, the Midlands where I'm from, uh, a lot of people swear about the Farmer's Almanac. And, uh, you know, just like Scotty just pointed out, your, your current forecast is, it isn't too shabby. Thank you. We try our best. And Texas is also a big um online we have a lot of facebook follows from texas well um as we we kind of wrap up here because we're, we're reaching the top of the hour uh if folks want to learn more about the farmer's almanac i know you've you've uh, talked about the website and the show's social media platforms um i'll give you this opportunity to maybe tell folks how they can uh, keep up to date with you guys and maybe how uh they can um i don't know if you can pre-order the 2020 edition or maybe how they can go about uh, acquiring uh, additions later on in the coming years. Sure. Like we mentioned, at farmersalmanac.com is our website. Um, we have a store. You can do a three-year subscription, or you can sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, totally free, but you can keep up with content and weather, um, all kinds of fun stuff, home remedies. 
Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. So if you want to just check out farmersalmanac.com, um, there's a lot of information and, and ways you can follow us. And if we have a business owner or something watching tonight, is there a way they can maybe contact you about advertising or do you guys? Sure. Yeah, I mean, at com, it's all kinds of contacts. But if you ever want to email me also, it's just sduncan at farmersalmanac.com. All right, Miss Sandy, we uh, certainly appreciate you being on tonight. Is there anything else you'd like to add before, uh, before we uh, kind of uh, transition uh, off the show tonight? No, just that watch out for Christmas. It might be rainy and that middle of um, February, I'd be very careful. It's going to be really cold. All right. Well, thank you very much, Cindy. We appreciate it. And uh, maybe we can have you on next year uh, as the 2020 edition rolls out. We can kind of uh, uncover what to expect over the Southeast then. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Sandy. We appreciate it. That's uh, Sandy Duncan. She is the managing editor for the uh, Farmer's Almanac. And go check them out, farmersalmanac.com, or follow them on social media. You can uh, get the latest information. And guys, I know in our community, um, sometimes it, the Farmer's Almanac or the, uh, the Farmer's Almanac gets, uh, gets gets thrown around a little bit. But at least looking at the October stuff, uh, pretty true to, to what we've experienced. That does it for the first half of our podcast. Be sure to join us next week. Our guest will be Rob Fowler from WCBD in Charleston, South Carolina. But if you want more Carolina Weather Group, then check out part two of our podcast this week. The before and after of Hurricane Michael is available now as a separate download.